In this episode of Finer Things, we head to the cosmic hamlet by the sea, Homer, Alaska, to check out Alaska's only winery, Bear Creek. That's up next on Finer Things. I'm just a guy from the Golden Heart, the wild and vast interior of Alaska. As a young boy, I was raised in a world that married the modern life of televisions and microwave ovens to the rugged and free world of wilderness, wild game, and wood smoke. I was a kid who loved life in the last frontier, but as I got older, I discovered something. I like the good stuff. You know, all those things that make life worth it, that makes all those long days and cold nights bearable. All that stuff that puts a smile on your face and makes that satisfied sound pass through your lips. They're the things that start the most interesting conversations. And after a few years of enjoying these things all by myself, I decided it was high time to share this passion with folks far and wide. To talk and teach and taste wine, food, spirits, beer. To travel all over Alaska and the beautiful Pacific Northwest and visit places and experience things and then share them with you. I'm Michael Dukes, and this is Finer Things. The real amateur of wine can only enjoy it along with friends, sharing with them the art of conversation, the art of drinking. Wine is indeed essentially a sign of civilization, a factor of sociability, friendship. Jean Drapeau. Welcome back to our continuing adventures into finer things. I decided it was time to head south and pointed our car towards Homer in the Kenai Peninsula. Homer, Alaska is so far south, in fact, that folks down there call it Land's End. It's a place that's known for windswept beaches and the world-famous Salty Dog Tavern out at the end of the spit. Before heading out, though, I fired up Google to help plan out the trip and to get a little history in the area. According to Wikipedia, Homer, Alaska is located in the Kenai Peninsula Borough in the state of Alaska. It's 218 miles southwest of Anchorage. And according to the 2010 census, the population is 5,003 people. Long known as the halibut fishing capital of the world, Homer is also nicknamed the end of the road and more recently, the cosmic hamlet by the sea. Archaeological digs indicate that the early Aleutuic people probably camped in the Homer area although their villages were on the far side of Ketchumak Bay. Later, it was the resources of the area that helped it develop. Coal was discovered in the 1890s, and the Cook Inlet Coal Fields Company built a town, dock, coal mine, and a railroad at Homer, which was named for Homer Pennock, a gold mining company promoter who arrived in 1896 on the Homer Spit and built living quarters for his crew of 50 men. However, gold mining was never profitable in the area though coal mining in the area continued until World War II. Currently, there's an estimated 400 million tons of coal deposits still in the Homer area. Halibut and salmon sports fishing, along with tourism and commercial fishing, are the dominant industries. Homer co-hosted the 2006 Arctic Winter Games. The Alaska Maritime National Wildlife Refuge and the Ketchumac Bay Research Reserve co-host a visitor center with interpretive displays known as the Alaska Islands and Ocean Visitor Center. But most importantly to me, what Wikipedia fails to mention is that Homer is also home to Alaska's only winery. Starting with a passion for creating and combining it with the tradition of making fruit wines in his garage, 
Bill and Dorothy Fry created a tremendous following for their variety of fruit and grape wines throughout the state of Alaska and the lower 48 through the mail. Making wine started as a hobby for Bill in the mid-90s. After sampling a friend's homemade rhubarb wine, Bill was not only impressed, but hooked. Winemaking at the Fry House began as a few small glass carboys on the kitchen counter. A carboy, by the way, is also known as a demijohn. It's a glass or plastic vessel used in fermenting beverages like wine, mead, cider, perry, or beer. Anyway, Bill's winemaking hobby quickly outgrew the kitchen, due in part, I'm sure, to Dorothy's insistence, and was moved to the garage. He experimented with anything he could get his hands on. Raspberries, blueberries, kiwi, rhubarb, and more. He received such good reviews from his friends and family, he wanted to share his creations with everyone. So the idea of Bear Creek Winery was born. Bill and Dorothy jumped in with both feet and put everything they had into starting Bear Creek Winery and Lodging. They opened their doors in 2003, and thanks to the support of friends, family, and locals, they began to grow. Wine was batched in five-gallon carboys, labels were printed from the home computer, and fruit was purchased from neighbors. As word spread of Bear Creek's award-winning wines and unconditional hospitality, so did the popularity of their wines. With popularity came growth, and Bill and Dorothy discovered that the garage was getting just a bit too small and found themselves in need of more space. That space came in the form of a beautiful new timber frame production facility that was finished in the summer of 2011, and the growth continues. While they still do have specialty wine batches being made in five-gallon carboys, normal production runs are being made in 500-gallon batches in their new facility. In the first year of production, Bill and Dorothy produced 600 gallons of delicious Alaskan fruit wine. Last year, it was a whopping 18,000 gallons. Thanks to my friend, Homer Radio host Chris Story, I was able to get a chance to meet and talk with Bill and Dorothy for a tour around their tasting room and the original garage where it all started. Bill had some pretty interesting stories of the shenanigans that went on in that place. This was my winemaking area. We went from this... To that building to where we are now so and uh, we had the b&b first that i'm about to show you and we had we would do wine tastings for people you know like two people or four and they were loving this i had a refrigerator right here that had a beer and wine tap on it and then uh, <laughs> you see these notches uh those are if you end up sleeping with your head on that step over there you got home and puke and i heard about it that was a notch and I got, yeah, got the thing, I have a few of those. And every time I made a batch, I put a label up on the wall. One of my favorites was uh, I had an Indian with a chief's headdress. Right. And uh, it was rhubarb wine, and it kind of ties into the notches because it said, sneaks up on you like an Indian. And, and it did. And I could tell, if somebody was kept putting their glass up empty, I'm like, this guy's going to be a notch. Yeah, it's going to be a notch tonight. So, yeah, we had a lot of fun out here. Um, and we, I had uh, two daughters that were dating sons of policemen. One was dating the son of a trooper and one a city cop. And I had them sitting here one night. I had a trooper, city cop, and his boss, the chief of police, Mark Robel. And, I, and I'm like, guys, not that I would ever do it. I'm just curious. I'm just curious. What is the penalty for bootlegging here? And they go, oh, no, no, no. You don't want to go there, dude. You don't go to the Palmer Summer Camp for that. You go to the Federal Penitentiary. Right. <laughs> that is a Treasury Department violation. And I said, okay. And that's when we built the building. Next year. Right. After they, they said, no, don't. Do not, do not was, do that. You know, when so many people were wanting to buy the wine out of here. It was just, and I didn't realize it. It's a good thing I didn't because 
some of the places I've seen, I didn't think they would license this. I don't. Think, I didn't think they would permit this room. It's just such a wreck. And I've seen some places that were they're, they're similar to this that, that that they did license and got DC permits for. And if I'd have known that, I would have done it here and, and not built that building as quickly as we did. So I'm glad I didn't know that. Right. But that wasn't the only time that Bill and Dorothy decided to wing it on their own. They built their new facility, not based on standard industry practice or modeling it after someone else's winery. They simply built it on what had been working for them. And that seemed to work out just right. And if we had have gone to other wineries, like Bill was saying, we would have, you know, people said, well, you need to buy this equipment and that equipment. And we literally started with no equipment. Right. We started with fact, car no, we, we recently got a bottling line. We were doing everything by hand. And when we told people our volume, other, other wineries, this is our volume, and, this, and we're doing it with a hand corker and, and a hand bottler, and they were shocked. Really? And we, our first year, we did 600 gallons. We have tanks that hold a thousand, just one tank. Yeah, and that was more, so that's twice as much as we did in our first year. One of the things I discovered at Bear Creek was not only Bill and Dorothy's passion for winemaking and all the conversations that go with it, but they shared this passion with their entire family. And it wasn't long until someone new came along to join the happy clan. Up next on Finer Things, we'll be talking with Louis Maurer, Bear Creek's winemaker, about not only their tasting room, but also their brand new production facility. And he'll give us a look at where all that magic happens today. That's coming up when Finer Things returns. The connoisseur does not drink wine, but tastes its secrets. Salvador Dali. Welcome back to Finer Things. Today we're in beautiful Homer, that cosmic hamlet by the sea. Getting a look at Alaska's only winery, Bear Creek. One of the things I discovered at Bear Creek Winery was not only owners Bill and Dorothy Fry's passion for winemaking and all the conversation that goes with it, but that they shared this passion with their entire family. And it wasn't long until someone new came along to join the happy clan. Enter Louis Maurer, Bear Creek's winemaker. The art of creating beverages has always enchanted Louis, from making sodas as a teenager to hobby beer and wine brewing in his 20s. When he married Bill and Dorothy's daughter... It wasn't long before collaboration between Bill and Louie got started. Louie took me to where all the magic happens today, their brand new production facility just up the hill from the tasting room. While we were there, I got a chance to ask Louie that perennial question that's on every Alaskan business owner's mind. Namely, how in the world have they built such a great business with Alaska's logistical challenges? It's the one question that always seems to come up when discussing any kind of manufacturing in Alaska logistics. Being at the end of the supply chain has its disadvantages. So I asked Louie how they've dealt with it at Bear Creek. Yeah, and I'll be honest, I think that the most challenging part as far as that went was the first couple of years where I was around in and out for up here visiting type of thing, but not, you know, totally here. So I can't say I'm 100% familiar with that, those, but I can tell you that you know, as we've scaled up, being able to go from, well, we only need a pallet of bottles to we want a whole container of bottles was like, man, you really get the attention of people doing shipping, and it is so much easier. Yeah, so. yeah the volume really makes a huge yeah. difference. And then, I mean, another logistic thing is getting fruit. So it's it was easy when we were small enough to literally get it from neighbors and, and people that just living around Homer. But now um, people have 
you know, contacted us, and they have interest in bringing us fruit from Anchorage and the interior. And I'm working with somebody right now who put in golden raspberries five years ago, and they've got hundreds of pounds and nobody to buy them, but they're way up in Nanana. You know, and so I was talking with them just yesterday, and they were like, well, so how do I get these to you? I'm like, well, this is what we pay delivered here. And How you get them here. Yeah, is I'm happy to help you figure it out. And, you know, it's every, we started talking, and I realized all of these different avenues of getting things from A to B are very specific to the product and who we deal with and the time of the year. Right. And everybody seems to be that way. One of the other challenges is that at Bear Creek, while they import and source their grapes from Washington State for their fruit wines, they don't deal with a single supplier for their various berries. Nope. As Dorothy told me, they'll take a bag of raspberries from a Cub Scout or an entire truckload from a native corporation. Bill was saying from little kids bringing a little sandwich bag and they're learning about money, how to earn money and all of that, which I just love seeing that to teenagers getting gas money, and um, then you see the big bags of, you know, people just harvesting. But that means for an industry that is usually very particular about quality control and controlling the process from seedling to finished product, Louie told me that that makes for some interesting challenges. It does. And I think one of the things that makes it work is that very little of our fruit is being produced on a commercial scale. And so, like, all, you know, the majority of grape, you know, vineyards are what people are used to seeing, just rows and rows and tractors and all that kind of stuff. This is all, I mean, all our blueberries are literally grown in the wild. There's nobody touching them except for when they go to pick them. There's nobody spraying them for pesticides. There's nobody, you know, none Pretty of much organic them. certified at that point. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. I mean, it's, you, can't, you can't actually certify it because to be able to, so we've looked into this, because to be able to certify something organic, you have to control the plant from start to finish. Start right. to finish. Yeah. And these are just out there. And so, you know, it's just, and people ask us all the time, so is these organic wines? I'm like, no. But yes. But <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's um, it does make for some interesting uh, combinations, but I think that's part of the reason that it's our fruit quality is so high is because it's, it's really very um, grassroots type of stuff. Right. And people take pride in it. You know, I mean, it's got to be cool to be able to say, yeah, some of the blueberries that are in that wine, yeah, I provided some of those blueberries. I mean, that's got to be kind yep. of a pride thing, you know, folks here locally. I know anybody that I've talked to here in the Homer area has been very proud that you guys are here. I mean, it's just, you know, you guys are a huge part of the community, and they're just like, oh, yeah, we love it. you got to go see, you know, you got to see people I was talking about doing the show and, and talking about doing, the, uh, you know, the video and stuff like that. And they, oh, you got to go see Bear Creek. I'm already on the list. I'm going there already. <laughs> but these people, you know, they're very passionate about what you guys do here. You guys have made a huge impact in the community. Cool. That's, I mean, that's great to hear. I mean, and, and we love we love being part of it. Yeah. You know? So it's, uh, you know, it all, it all goes around type of thing. But berries aren't the only fruit that Bear Creek is bottling. In fact, I was very surprised to discover that although they've been making small batches for the last three to four years, this year is the first year they'll go into production of a seasonal apple wine. Apples. In Alaska. And it turns out that they actually may have some slight control over what's happening with this particular fruit. Apple wine. And this is the first year that you're doing the apples? or No. First year they're collecting the apples locally kind of thing? Well, we've only ever done local apple wine. We've done apple wine for three years. Three years. Maybe four. Bill's always done, like, if somebody brought apples, he'd make apple wine. Five gallons or ten or fifteen or whatever. 
It was always really, really small. Like, like silly small. And now um, you're going into full-scale production or Well, media. yeah, the lot. So me and my wife bought a lot here that's real close to the winery, and it had an orchard on it, so we kind of revived it and started harvesting those apples. Um, and then hooked in with this other guy who's looking to, for a use for his apples. He's an old-time. He's lived here a long time, always grown fruit, and uh, he's a wealth of knowledge. Um, but he can't. He, he doesn't like getting on the ladder anymore and this kind of thing, and he wants his apples to go somewhere. So, um, yeah, we go over and pick all of his apples and, and bring them here. And so we get, like, maybe 400, 300 gallons of wine worth of apples out of those two orchards. So, yeah. And so that's, and that's a big step up for that from 10 gallons right, to... Right, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which is still small. Yeah. It's not big enough to distribute. We only sell that out of the tasting room. We're gonna have so, to try that. We're gonna have to try that when we get back down there for sure. That'll be uh, that'll be good. And try it, I did. Sweet and tart, absolutely delicious. It's an amazing new offering that's well worth the drive down to Homer to try. Since again, it's only available locally in the tasting room. Speaking of locally, that's something else I've always loved about small breweries and wineries and distilleries. Almost every one of them is dedicated to their local economies in a big way. And at Bear Creek. It's no different. And that passion is infectious, and it rubs off, and and I think that's what you know, people love. And, and I was just say, you, you talked about local fruit and local, and, and I was talking with Dorothy and everything, you, you know, all the things you have in the gift shop. And You guys are very local-centric. I mean, this is yeah. made in Alaska. Everything you want to do that you can, you want to get done here. Local artisans involved with what you're doing. I mean, everything you guys are doing is Alaska. Yeah, it, as much as we can. Yeah, Dorothy's always um, really pushed that as part of our culture, and I think it's great. I love it. I, it's, it was easy for me to get on board with that, and we take it to, you know, at every step of the way, we take, keep it as local as we can. So, you know, you referred to there not being a lot of industry in Alaska earlier. Um, for a long time, we were sourcing glass out of China. Um, until we read an article, I read an article about a place that was making glass out of Washington. And so we immediately looked into that, and now that's where we get our glass from. Right, So now right. it's American-made glass. Um, our labels are made right here in town. So, yeah, as much as we can. Whenever we hear about opportunities, we at least look into them. Yeah, because you got to do. I mean, you have to be set, make sense business wise yeah. to be able to do it. But yep. you know, yeah, I don't see a big glass factory here in Alaska. You know, yeah. so but at least now you're getting them out of Washington, closer right. to home, and everything else. And then, of course, all your fruits and everything else. And uh, yep. you know that it, it, as we slowly shrink that logistical bubble that is this global economy, you yes. know, <laughs> yeah, it's true. We'll get, we'll get better and better. Bear Creek Winery is the perfect example of a small business working synergistically in so many ways with their local economy. I can't tell you how much I admire that. Still to come on Finer Things, we'll continue with Louis Maurer, winemaker at Bear Creek. We'll talk about some of the different flavors and varietals they've been working on, some for public consumption and some not so much. Plus, we'll talk about some of Bill Fry's methods that may or may not be quite as uh, scientific as you would think. That's up next when Finer Things returns. Wine and cheese are ageless companions, like aspirin and aches, or June and moon, or good people and noble ventures. M.K.F. Fisher Welcome back to Finer Things. I'm Michael Dukes, and today we're talking about the delicious fare at Bear Creek Winery in beautiful Homer, Alaska. 
When we left, we had just talked to Louis Maurer, the winemaker at Bear Creek, about buying in the local economy and how the community is helping provide them with a lot of the fruit that they're using in their wines. Now, I wanted to ask Louis about some of their flagship wines, including the ones made of one of my favorites, Alaskan blueberries. Blueberries have been a big thing for you guys. Yeah. Uh, you guys are making a wine fully out of blueberries, am I right? right. Like a fully, just not a single wine. grape in it. It's right. just all blueberry wine. Correct. Um, it's pretty amazing. I'll be honest with you. And I, 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 I have, you know, full disclosure, I love blueberries to begin with. Uh, but a blueberry wine, and then you guys do one that's a blend, a, bur- a blueberry Merlot, and some the the blueberries, and that's really, uh, uh, I mean, blueberries are kind of everywhere, but that's really, Alaskan is really known for its blueberries. That's a big thing here. Yeah, I think that people know about the blueberry season and going out and picking wild, you know, blueberries, huckleberries, whatever you want to call them. And yeah, and it's, it's uh, I grew up in Oregon, like I said earlier, farming. Kind of. Um, I, I was in the city, but all my aunts and uncles farmed, and I worked on the farm in the summer. Right. And uh, blueberries was one of the fruits that, that they grew. And something that is completely different from any commercial berry that I've ever seen is that the meat inside is, is blue, dark blue, violet. Right. Um, most commercial berries are green or white. White inside. On the inside. Yeah, they look kind of like a grape almost inside, yeah. right. Yeah. And so in this, the berries we get up here and that we use will stain the floor, will stain your hands. You know, for two or three days. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's part of Blue Man Group now, right? right? right. Exactly. <laughs> um, so they're, you know, they're, yeah, they're uh, really intense. They have intense flavors. They got intense juice. Make a beautiful color. Yeah. So. Well, and, and again, just the flavors, and you know, from sweet to kind of dry to, I mean, all the different things that you guys do with it is really the different varietals you pulled out has been very amazing. Uh, but that's not the only Alaskan thing. I mean, rhubarb is also a hugely Alaskan yeah. thing, and you guys are making some amazing stuff with rhubarb. And in fact, your most popular wine is strawberry rhubarb, strawberry, right? It is, yeah. And and that's again almost a uniquely Alaskan flavor. People got to buy that stuff by the truckload. Yeah, the strawberry rhubarb. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yeah, it's big, and people. I don't. It's not like uh, we try to make it big. It's just everybody's favorite, right? So and I I love that you can make wine out of rhubarb. Right, it grows so well up here. What do you do with all that rhubarb? I know. Well, you make pies, you make cobbler, you make wine. Right. Yeah. I mean, if I could figure out a way to make rhubarb beer, I'd do that too. You know, and I'm sure you probably could. I just. <laughs> just a side note: Midnight Sun actually used rhubarb in a beer. It was um, like a year ago. Really? I, I tried it. It was great. Yeah. One of the brewers was like, "I want to try this like rhubarb right. beer." I can't remember much about it, but right. they did it. Well, isn't that you know? And again, we were talking in the in the uh, production facility, and and I just mentioned it. I mean, this is this is what I really love about you know uh, winemaking, brewing, distilling is that it is literally a craft. I mean, all these different variables, and uh, you know, we talk a little bit about there's science behind it, yeah. But even guys who don't necessarily science the hell out of it, they've got that taste, they've got that flavor, they know they know what they want, and they just kind of. You know, they intuit exactly where they want to go, and they'll see something like a rhubarb, and they'll be like, I'm going to work that in. How do I work it in, yeah. you know? Yeah. And uh, and I know Bill has been, like you said before, that's his thing. I mean, his jam right. is to just sit down and go, throw it at the wall. What, is, what am I yeah. think is going to sound good? Okay. And he makes it work. Now how do I change it? How is right. it going to be better? And, yeah, just roll with it until you – it's like playing with, uh, you know, Play-Doh or whatever. Just keep on shaping it until you get what you want. Right. That's, that's how he does it. 
And that led me to talk to Louie about some of the challenges of working with different fruits from different sources and different years and what kind of science may or may not be involved in that process. And so you start with the same basic recipe, but then like we had one year where we were doing six pounds of blueberries to a gallon of wine and it was, it, it almost didn't taste good. <laughs> it was really intense. It was super powerful. Too much. Blue- yeah. You never think there'd be too much, too right. much blueberry. Yeah. And so we towed it way back to like three and a half. And it was fine. Al- almost half. Yeah. And it's, it took, you know, one or two or three batches to figure it. Cause we shall, okay, we'll do less. We'll do four and a half pounds or whatever. And, you know, that was still too much. Bring it back more. Uh, and then nutrients, same deal can be different. You start with the same set because this is what we use for blueberry wine and it usually works. It's a good place to start from. So this much diamond phosphate, then we need a little bit of biotin powder and whatever, throw it in there. And uh, some, a lot of times the fermentation will start. Sometimes it's really sluggish. That, was enough, that wasn't enough nutrients or not enough of a certain one or the pH is off. So it's just always these things. And then you science the hell out of it, right? <laughs> uh, with our, mostly by tasting it. Yeah. That's the best science of all, my friend. It is. That is the best science it of is. all. Then Louis mentioned how he learned his craft under Bill's tutelage with surprisingly little science involved. I mean, Bill never, he's, it's pretty fair to say, not a scientist. Um, so he never did, he's not the like, whole, control everything and change right. one variable. No, he just changed six variables. Yeah, that's much more his style. And um, <laughs> Kind of hard to check your premise at that yeah, point, but I'm yeah, with you. <laughs> right, he just runs with it. Um, and... Uh, Oh, yeah, so, you know, he doesn't take notes, and he's not into, like, pH measurements and, you know, all these different things that you can measure. There's a lot of different acids you can measure. Um, And so it's just by taste. Like, okay, this worked. What did I do? And most of it was in his memory banks, and um, that's still mostly how we do it. Right. So... And as, now Louis has to learn exactly how to follow all this. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it actually works really well. It's, it's, I do take pH measurements for a rule of thumb. I'll take um, lots of specific gravity measurements, sugar measurements of the fruit that we're harvesting to know where I'm starting and all that kind of stuff. Um, but you, I, I do believe that your taste buds and your tongue are the best. This is what proves that this, more than anything else, really truly is a craft. Yeah. It's an art. Yeah. I mean, and it's something that you do, You and, and some people have a feel for it or a taste for it, and some people don't. And there's a lot of science involved, but right. essentially, it all comes down to what hits the end of your tongue, yeah. does it taste good, and how do I make it taste that good again? Yep. Yeah. Totally. And one final little piece as we close out this segment, when I asked Louie to tell us about some of the things that people may not know about Bear Creek or what they offer, he gave me some great advice about why you should always plan a yearly trip directly to Homer. Um, anything else you guys are that uh, you know that we need to know that the listeners and watchers out there might be interested in? You know things you're doing or uh, you know seasonal stuff that uh, maybe people haven't ever heard of that they might want to try. Man, um, haven't ever heard of. I mean, there's always going to be stuff. I I run into somebody every day that comes into the tasting room and doesn't know that we do tasting room exclusives. Right, so, in the tasting room in Homer. Yeah. Right. Yep, and so like our apple wine is one of those. The golden raspberry, you're only going to find, when we have it, you're only going to find it in the tasting room. Um, so I would encourage people, if they do come to Homer, you know, come in, see what we got going on. Absolutely, there always seems to be something different, unique, 
happening in there. Right. And all your stuff is distributed only in Alaska right now, right? Nothing in Washington or Pacific Northwest, exclusively to Alaska. So if you're watching this video and you're down in the lower 48, find somebody in Alaska who will ship you a bottle of wine. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) It'll be worth it. It'll be worth it. Trust me. Yep. One more segment of our trip to Homer lays ahead on finer things. Here's where we'll get a chance to talk to Louis Maurer about some of their more odd attempts at wine and some of the changes that we can expect to see coming soon including something even the kids might like. That's up next, when Finer Things returns. Wine. Because no great story started with someone eating a salad. Welcome back to Finer Things. I'm Michael Dukes, and today we've been visiting with the folks down at Bear Creek Winery in Land's End, otherwise known as Homer, Alaska. We've gotten a look at how they got started in Bill and Dorothy Fry's garage and went from there to a beautiful tasting room and on to a brand new production facility on the property as well. It's been quite a journey for them. And along the way, it turns out, they've tried a few different things that didn't quite pan out. I asked Louis Maurer, the winemaker at Bear Creek, to tell us about some of the less than successful attempts at winemaking. Let's talk a little bit about some of the variety because you guys have got some wild varieties of wine. I mean, all these different fruit wines. Let's talk a little bit about you know where you started and and you know some of the things you've done, limited productions, things that I'll never taste because they're already gone, right. or maybe things that you're going to be working on in the future. Some of the wild ideas you guys have that may come to fruition <laughs> every now and you know sometime in the future. Yeah, um, I mean, some of the stuff that was started and then has uh, proven you know viable and a good wine that we do every year is like we do uh, yellow raspberry, golden raspberry wine. So that was kind of an add-on spur off from the red raspberry wine. Right. Um, we've started toying with, I've learned, there's so many varieties of raspberries. There's right. a purple raspberry. Wow. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. And so one year I had, um, I made four batches of raspberry wine, two specific varietals of red. They're both red but different types. And, I, you know, I, I, we grew them ourselves, so I kept them all separate. Um, a golden and then a purple, and all the same yeast. I just wanted to see how they would compare. Which is part of that craft thing that we talked yeah. about earlier, you know. And um, and they were all they they all obviously tasted like they came from raspberries, right? But different. The one was a little more citrusy. One was a little more fruity sweet. You know, even subtle, though, different mouth feel. Yeah, absolutely. You know, different broadness, different noses. Yep. I mean. So that's that's an example of you know some of the stuff we've toyed with, some have worked out, and we, we continue to do because we get enough fruit. Other stuff we've tried that's a little more exotic, maybe, is like a pumpkin wine. No kidding. Yep, um, which we haven't gotten to turn out with any kind of real flavor to it, so we've kind of not trying that anymore. Um, we tried a beet wine. Wow. Yep, which was actually... Beet is surprisingly good. good. I mean, the sugars in beet, people don't realize that yeah. how many different things. And I've had beets uh, in beer that are predominantly beets and some yeah. of these other things. So I had a soda pop one time that had predominantly beet in it. I mean, it's it's really kind of an odd yeah. but good flavor at the yeah. same time. And I think it's a totally doable thing. Like, we don't we don't have a beet source, so it's not something we're pursuing. But we did a batch, and it turned out, and it was... It was a very specific, I think not everybody would like it. It's a specific taste. Very earthy. Super earthy, you know. Like one of those barnyard cabs almost kind of really yeah. 
Yeah. But it was, you know, it was thick, and it rolled around your tongue really well, and you could pair it with stuff, I'm sure, and, it, it, you know, it, it had its own standalone flavor. I would buy a bottle so, just to try it. I yeah. mean, you know what, just because that is... It's all about, it is wine for me, it is something we've always said on the show, wine is always about, to me, the conversation. Yeah. The conversation with people, whether it's just the good conversation and the fun you're having, or maybe you're picking the wine apart, you know, yep. or maybe you're pairing it with food and talking about how it changes, And but that is, wine just fosters that conversation, and something like that would be unique enough that you'd be like, come on over to my house and yeah. let's have a bottle of beet wine. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And beat poetry and we'll right. beat the drum and yeah. we'll, you know, we'll just have, you know, make a whole beat party out of it. You I'm know? right there with you. I totally agree. That's what it should be about. You yeah. know, it's, it creates an experience. It creates a memory. And whether it's, uh, uh, you like the wine or not, you know, it should still be fun. So yeah, right. just have fun with it. Okay. So maybe we beat that analogy to death. You'll have to forgive me. I love puns. But one of the things that Louie's is working on is something that even the kids can get excited about. Uh, the one thing that I have uh, gone into is making sodas. Fruit sodas. Fruit sodas. Yep, yep. How come we didn't... I don't know why we didn't talk about this yet. <laughs> tell, tell me about the fruit soda. It's uh, I've got re- I've got recipes developed. Um, I'm not really doing it like commercially yet, making them and sending them out there. But um, I, you were asking about what I'm working on. I guess What's that, coming? I guess that's what it would be. Is the fruit soda? Is the fruit soda? So you can actually. We're probably out. I haven't had time to stay on top of it this summer. Um, but you might be able to still get some in the tasting room. Well, we're going to head down there in a few minutes, so that'll be fine. We'll try that out. Doing, doing uh, rhubarb and blueberry soda right now. I'd wow. I'd like to add raspberry. Is it a combo, or is it, I mean, separate. or separate? So yep. rhubarb soda, blueberry soda. Yep, yep. And wow. it's super fun. I, I'm not a soda drinker, but I think they taste great, and um, I'd like to be able to, you know, uh, propagate this and have it go into a bigger thing. Yeah. So, yeah, it's something that that's You know, on. and that's, that's great. I mean, I would, yeah, definitely, and I don't. Like I said, I'm not much of a soda drinker, but I would like to try a glass of, of both yeah. of those just to see. And then you know, we'll mix it. We'll do a mixology thing, right? You Seriously, know? yeah. Blueberry rhubarb. People, or, you know. I've had a really good response from them so far, from the stuff I've sold. And people totally joke about, oh, man, I can, I'm going to buy this and this wine and make a spritzer. It's going to be awesome. I'll oh, buy yeah. some soda and the Holy cow, wine. yeah, because you did a blueberry wine and a blueberry spritzer. You know, right. Why not sparkling blueberry, yeah. whatever? Throw it's, a little nip of vodka in there, yeah. and there you go. Wow. Yep. So. And then some fruit, you got an Alaskan sangria. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about it, baby. <laughs> Let's talk a handful of blueberries, and we'll shuffle off the It's totally fun. That. And that's how all this stuff starts. Like, yeah. that's how the soda started. It was just in my house. Like, oh, this is fun, cool. Let's Grab a little bit of this and mix that together, and does this taste good? Yep. And We like it. Yep. <laughs> let's let's take it up there and make five gallons. Exactly. Yeah. Boom! Another. Yeah. You know, let's yeah. have some more of that stuff. Yeah. So. Well, I, I you know that would be great. I would love to see that, Louie. That would be amazing stuff. So uh, when you're you know when you're ready, call me. Okay. We'll, we'll have some. I'll buy me a six pack and we'll uh, come down there. I will. I will. Yeah. Chris Story's got. He's first in line. He already said. Oh, it. I, I know. Well, I, you know what? That's right. He did mention something to me about soda, but I didn't know what he meant. That and now. Okay, so see now you got to put me in front of story just because. <laughs> yeah, you story, you know what I'm talking about. 
The growth at Bear Creek has been phenomenal, going from Bill's Garage to a tasting room and then almost immediately to a larger production facility. I asked Louie, how big is it going to get? talking about the growth of you know going from the little workshop into the tasting room and thinking well we'll just work out of here and then realizing my gosh we can't really work out of here and then building oh this will be fun no it won't we can't i mean it literally i mean in five years how much more you know how much bigger will we get you know put a roof on the lot yeah (laughs) we got a big parking lot out here pretty much this will all be building you know next year you know that's how it feels yeah. It's not it's not like we're trying to get big. It's you know, that I, I mean it's of course everybody wants their business to grow, but um, I don't feel we're we're not in this we want to make a living. We're not trying to make be millionaires. Right. You know? Um, but people love it and the demand's there and if we can keep getting uh, locally grown fruit then we're gonna keep trying to uh, provide for the local Alaskan uh, demographic right and it's it's your passion yeah i mean it really is you guys i mean you and bill and i mean just the smiles on their faces as they're walking me through the property and telling me all these stories and i mean it this is your lives these are this is what you guys you know are out there you know winning the battles and fighting the fights this is what you're doing this is your reward yes absolutely you know and that uh that to me is just i love that kind of passion uh for this stuff you know, you're talking about the passion. It's that's why it's we love showing people, like having you come and uh, the general public. We do tours, having them come and showing them what we got going on because it's like a show and tell. You know, it's look so, what we did. Yeah, yeah. Look what we did. This is so cool. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's what Bill's like. Look what I did. It's so cool. You know? <laughs> that's how it feels. It's just. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. And they have one more big change coming to Bear Creek: a whole new line of wine. One specifically made of 100% Alaskan source products. Who knows? It might be on the shelf already. That's what we're doing right now is we're we're moving our wines that are going to be guaranteed Alaskan-grown fruit, and they're not not blended at all into a different name. It's going to be Glacier Bear, still made by us here in Bear Creek. Um, it's just to kind of set them apart, distinguish them a little but bit. These are 100% Alaskan sourced fruits that exactly. are in these wines. Yeah, yep. And so uh, we're going to be—that's our black currant. Will be under that. Um, we're doing our golden raspberry. Our apple's going to go into that. So you'll start seeing these. You can get them in the tasting room, you know, all the time. And then you're going to start seeing them distributed around the state. So that about wraps it up for today's show. Just a reminder. You can always let me know what you think of as finer things. Tell me of that favorite little restaurant, that tiny little B&B or boutique hotel that you just can't wait to get back to. Tell me the story of your favorite brew and of the guys and gals that have poured their blood, sweat, and tears into making it happen. Maybe I'll go out and meet these folks and bring back adventures inspired by you and your very own finer things. So go on, fire up that email browser and drop me a line. Tell me what your thoughts are both on the show and of some of the things that you'd like to see us talk about in the future. Just send it to michael at finerthingsradio.com. That's M-I-C-H-A-E-L at finerthingsradio.com. While you're there, make sure to follow the link to our Facebook page or just put Finer Things in the search bar at the top of the page. And finally, if you'd like to see all the great food, drinks, and more, plus behind-the-scenes stuff about what we'll talk about on upcoming shows, follow our Instagram account, at FinerThingsTV. I'm Michael Dukes, and I hope you'll come back next week and all that follow as we get together, grab a glass or plate of our favorite something, and have that conversation about the finer things. 
Finer Things is a production of the Creative Department Incorporated, all rights reserved. Find out more at finerthingsradio.com.